0: I'm delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And today we have got something that will delight the horror fan in us all. If you'll take a look over here, we have a display of our vintage comic books. Many from the late 40s into the 50s you'll see titles such as Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, Horror Comics and the like, each filled with tales of terror told to the medium of pen and ink. Many of these tales banned in their time, but have become relics of a bygone era, when horror truly terrified the soul. And the only way you could get true terror like this through the pages of a comic now in today's age we have horrors of all sorts at our fingertips but in today's episode of odds bodkins curiosity shop we're going to take a look at horror of today that is taking a step back in time as we take a look at the new creep show comic book series So I've been a huge fan of Creepshow, like many horror fans, the the original Stephen King, George A. Romero uh, collaboration back in the 80s, uh, Creepshow 2, while it is a a little more maligned (laughs) than the original Creepshow, I love the stories. One of my favorite Stephen King short stories, The Raft, is in Creepshow 2. And so like many horror fans, I was so excited when Greg Nicotero was spearheading a revival of Creepshow in a series form on Shudder. And so excited, can't wait for the next season of Creepshow to come out. But to really sate everyone's appetite for Creepshow horror, uh, they did something that I really dig as they went back to comic books with horror. And horror has such a storied history in comic books because, you know, back in the day, I mean, you got horror, uh, you got the Universal Monsters on film, uh, but you didn't get real true terror and horror the only real places you could find that was on the the written page and and more specifically you got uh, visualization uh with the story when you went into comics and the horror comics were really big through the 40s through the 50s uh you know like i said earlier uh, many of them were banned in their time because they were just so horrific and everybody's delicate sensibilities in that bygone era uh, were just uh, not capable of grasping the the messages uh, that were being portrayed in some of these stories. But uh, I've always been a huge fan of horror comics. When I was a little kid, uh, my parents used to go to auctions all the time. And I lived in a small town, rural Pennsylvania, and we didn't have a comic book store or anything like that. So the only comics I got were, my parents would buy a big box lot that had some comics in it, more so. I didn't have a ton of comics, but what comics I had, had, I, I, I cherished and I relished Uh, I still have some of those today some of the old Spider-Man comics Uh, I've got the issue where uh, Spider-Man first comes out with the Venom costume and and I love those but some of the comics I got were some of the old horror comics and they were so old and battered when I got them that uh, I don't even think many of them had the covers I'm not even sure uh, what title these comics were but i would i would leaf through these horror comics and just the the ghosts and the creatures and the zombies that almost felt like they were going to leap off the page and wrap their hands around my throat uh there were some afternoons as a small child reading these comics as the the sun was going down and i would notice uh the room getting darker as i'm reading these and it would creep me out and i'd have to go out and and want some cartoons or something. But, but you know, horror comics, well, they weren't a big part of my life growing up because, like I said, I, I couldn't go to the store and buy comics. There was none where I lived. When I did get comics, I, I loved them. I loved reading every page, looking at every picture, uh, taking in every word, and horror comics were, were a big part of that as well. So when I found out they were doing a creep show comic series, which, For all intents and purposes, they kind of build this as a limited five-issue series. Uh, They started in September, I believe September 21st was the first issue, and then they put one out every month. And then the last issue, issue five, just came out here uh, on January 25th. So uh, we get five issues. We'll talk about the future of this coming up, but I want to give you like a breakdown of, of each of the stories. I'm not going to go into too much detail. We're just going to talk about some of my initial thoughts, some of my favorite stories. I'm going to try not to be too spoilery with, uh, with talking about these stories, but I'm not going to hold back either. So if you haven't Read the Creep Show comic series, the five-issue series that they've come out with, and you don't want anything spoiled for you. I encourage you to go check it out. You can you can get them. All the issues are out in the comic book stores. Uh, you can even get them on Kindle and check it out. You know they're actually really cheap on Kindle. You know a few bucks and you can watch them on their your your Kindle Fire or, or whatever. But uh, check out the comics and then come back and listen to the podcast. If you don't care uh, about spoilers, you're not sure you're going to even read the comics and you just want to hear what they're about. Uh, you know you're going to have some things spoiled for you but I don't think it's going to take away from what you will get if you actually read the stories because like I said I'm not going to go into too terribly much detail but I just want to kind of warn you for spoilers uh, just in case. So issue one came out on September 21st. I really dug the cover art because it's that classic old like EC comic horror comic cover art with the, uh, the creep and he's got a candle and he's looking through the pages of a comic felt very reminiscent of some of the the creep images in the the first two uh, creep show movies and, and in the TV series but it just kind of has that classic you know this is the money shot this is the hero shot for the comic series of creep show and uh, you know it's got this great picture of the creep the art is beautiful and horrific all the same uh, I really really like this cover probably one of my one of my two favorite covers of this this five issue set but the first story we get to read in this probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite story in the whole series. It's called Take One. It's a tale from Chris Burnham. And it's about these three kids. They're going trick-or-treating on Halloween. Uh, there's kind of that urban legend of this old man, Mr. Xander. They go to his house, it's all run down, but there's a big bowl of full-size candy bars, and there's just a note that says take one. And of course, the, the one younger boy is is kind of scared of all, you know, they kind of go on about all the urban legends of this Mr. Xander and what he did and and how he died and that sort of thing. He ends up taking two candy bars. And it's kind of funny because he's gonna, he eats the one right away to kind of destroy the evidence. But the other two older boys, uh, they're kind of bigger dickheads. Uh, They take all the candy in the bowls and as the story moves along uh it just gets creepier and creepier about you know they may be following some, may be following them and then when you get to the climax of this whole thing it really felt like those classic ec comics and the mayhem that happens—the gruesome kills and the the grossness. It just—it was such a, a delightful thing. It's probably why so many people, uh, so many Puritans back in the day, back in the forties and fifties, uh, banned some of these comics because they're they're horrific. And I could see where they would think this would rot a kid's mind. I, I don't think it does, but you know, some of the some of the gruesomeness—it just—it it was so delightful in a in a macabre way. And that that scene where the The good kid is trying to puke up the candy bar that he ate as a way to make amends for for the sin he committed. It was gross and fun and funny uh, in a horrific way. And then that last panel is just frightening. Uh, I'm not going to give away anything about that because if you haven't seen this, I really and you and you have any interest in, in checking out the Creepshow comic books? That's the stuff on nightmares right there. I, I thought this first issue, uh, the first story, take one, was just a fantastic way to start off this this Creepshow comic series. One, you have Halloween and there's you know scary stuff always happens on Halloween. That's a, a great uh, vehicle to tell a, a scary story, especially a, a scary ghost story. But just the innocence of kids being bad. And you know they, you know they really. Some of them may deserve a little more of what they got than the others, but they're kids, and they don't know any better. Kids do stupid shit, and. You don't want to see anything bad happen to the kids, but sometimes, as the Rolling Stones say, you don't always get what you want, uh, but you get what you need. But a fantastic way to open the first issue of of Creepshow, the comic series. Now, the second story in issue one. Now, each issue has two stories, and I thought, oh, that's that's kind of a bummer. I was hoping there's more, but but each story, I think. I don't think there's any real bad stories. There's some stories I like less than others. There's some stories I think that work better than others. But I don't think there's any bad stories. But this second one was one uh, I, I dug but I didn't dig. (laughs) I don't know. It's really kind of hard. The subject matter, I was like, eh, whatever. But then when it ended, I was like, oh, that was kind of a good story. I I guess that's the best way I can explain it. It's called Shingo from uh, Batman, the animated series creator, Paul Dinney, Steve Langford, and John McRae. It's about this couple. uh, They're a divorced couple and the ex-husband was supposed to get some sort of entertainment, a magician or a clown for their daughter's birthday party. The daughter seems a little bit old for the this and and they kind of play into that a little bit that they're treating her like a child and and really throughout this whole thing you see how the parents are are trying to manipulate the child against one another through this and then there's some some reverse manipulation at the very end it, it, it's kind of a nice little bookend with all of this but uh, all of a sudden this mysterious card appears for this birthday party or party entertainer called Shingo. Shingo shows up and starts entertaining the kids and then things start to get dark and things start to get creepy and then things start to go haywire and Shingo may not be exactly what every everyone thinks Shingo is. But like I said, the mayhem ensues and there is a fantastic scene. This is probably the part where I am like, okay, this story isn't so bad. Uh, I kind of dig the subject matter in this. Uh, It's a pinata scene at the very end, which ends just disgusting and bloody and and gross it has a little bit more of a happier ending than i was expecting or wanted but it all kind of plays into the end where the the daughter fiona turns the tables on the manipulative parents as a child of divorce so that was actually a pretty fun one not one of my favorite uh, stories in the the five issue set of creep show but uh one that i i did ultimately end up enjoying where i didn't think i was going to at the beginning of it now issue number two uh each issue has a, a different cover on it and i like how the styles are really very different i mean it, it looks each one looks like its own individual title and that's kind of one of the things i liked about the the cover art of all of these all of them were very interesting. All of them had very different styles and looks, but they all feature the creep, so you know it all ties together. But this, the creep, is an electric chair uh, with all sorts of electric arcing off of them, and it's it's such a, a great cover. I really like this. This is, this is one that really stands out. It's not one of my favorites, but this is one that really stands out when you're when you're looking at all the covers. But the first story in this issue by David and Maria Lampum. It's called the Gorgamora Tree, and it's another one uh, about kind of a dysfunctional family this this main protagonist well i don't even know you want to call her protagonist but this main character daphne she's the child of a dysfunctional and even probably quasi-abusive uh, family uh she loves this old oak tree outside where she plays under it all the time uh, loves this tree but then she starts turning violent. She has violent tendencies. And I think it kind of plays a lot on the violence in her home with the the two dysfunctional parents and the arguing and, and the violence that we do see play out. Uh, I don't know if it's trying to say that somehow something's taken hold in her that has to do with this tree that's causing the violence or the violence is always been in her because of the violence in her family but the roots of this gorgamora tree kind of creep its way into the house and all of a sudden these roots are sprouting these leaves and telling Daphne that it loves her and uh, of course you know she's she's a child of a dysfunctional family uh, an abusive family so she's she's looking for love uh, as a lot of kids in these situations do where they're not getting love from the parents all they're getting is is hate and verbal abuse and physical abuse it's looking for love in all the wrong places and and then she hears in her parents room Uh, the roots of must've sprung up in there and it's telling her parents that it loves them. And she gets very vengeful. She doesn't want to share. She confronts the tree and I, you know, I'm the one that loves you. You can't love them. And, and she goes to the garage, gets some gasoline and she burns the house down conceivably burning her parents alive in it. And then she hides in this hole in the tree and the tree burns up and she's never heard from or seen from again. And it, it's just a really weird and creepy ambiguous end to this that you don't know what really was going on but it leaves you a lot of room to to wonder there's a lot of scenes where she's having these visions and she's saying these horrible things to people and you don't know if it's because of some sort of influence from the tree or maybe she's always been like that and she's just having delusions that the tree is talking to her it's some disturbing stuff it's I, again, not one of my favorite stories, but it's one of those stories that, that really kind of sunk into me. And maybe it, it gives you, like I said, a lot of room to walk around in this world and come up with your own conclusions as to what things mean. Now, the second story in this is from Steve Fox and Kelly Jones called Creators Rights," And it's a really interesting story because the artwork starts out very kid-like. It's about this, this creator of a comic book. He created this character, Infrared, and his space cadet pals. And, and at the beginning, you see this infrared character, kind of a little raccoon comic book character, and you see this old man, you know, in kind of comic book form. And it's essentially this creator, Sal, imagining himself on adventures with this character he created. And then you come into the real world where he's with these caregivers, and this one caregiver is a real big fan of his, but he brings a an action figure of the bastardization of of Sal's creation, you know how kind of like when Disney gets a hold of a comic book character and they kind of make it in in their image. And of course, this character is a raccoon, but it's all buff and and look like he's ready for war. And Sal just doesn't like the fact that you know some studio has done this. To his character, his creation, his child. But then we find the caregiver uh, may have a little more nefarious uh, intentions and there's this big fight scene at the end which it it delves a lot into delusion and this old man kind of having these delusions of this this comic book character Infrared talking to him and it's a very interesting fight scene between a, a feeble old man and a bigger younger guy that ends triumphantly for Sal but also tragic and it's just one of those really interesting stories where uh, you're not quite sure how much of it's real and how much of it is all in the mind uh, kind of like the the first story in this in this second issue now issue three is a an issue, I, I really liked some of the stories in this. The, the cover art is is interesting. It, it very much is a different style and a different look from the other ones. Uh, it's kind of got these scuba divers down. They're opening a chest instead of finding treasure. They're finding uh, the creep all chained up inside. Uh, not one of my favorite ones. Not one of my favorite covers, but there's not a bad cover among these, so I do still like it, even though it's not one of my favorite. But the first story we get in issue number three called Hair, probably one of my favorite stories. It's by uh, Francesco and Lisa Francavilla. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And it's about this local barbershop. Uh, and, and it, kind of dives into that whole trope of the local barbershop as kind of a meeting place for the old men of the town or the men of the town and and they're all kind of sharing tall tales and local legends and folklore and that sort of thing. And and they delve into that and it dives into a lot of local killings. Uh, They're telling tales of of local killings and beheadings that that have been found recently in this town that we're in. And the barber, it's kind of interesting. It all starts out, he's at his home, kind of a rural home, and he's feeding these raccoons that come up to him. And this is one where I am going to kind of spoil a little bit of of how this ends, just because it's so cool and you really can't talk about it without Talking about it, but uh, we find that all these kills are happening because of this creature that is living underneath the barber shop, and it's this giant mutant raccoon. And there's such a great frame where they reveal this this giant mutant raccoon, and it's on a pile of skulls and some freshly decapitated heads. It's just it's horrific, and it's so eerie and terrifying. And then it kind of goes back to the barber back at his home, feeding the raccoons. And you hear this roar out in the, out in the woods of, of people looking for whatever's out there, making these, these killings in the town. And, and he's like, Oh, there's, yeah, I can't remember the name of the creature, uh, but it does have a name. And <laughs> he realizes that uh, his old friend is up to his shenanigans, but probably one of the more simple stories, but simple, but effective. I mean, my God, it's just, it's creepy. It's terrifying. That big reveal of this creature uh, in in one panel was just uh, the stuff of nightmares. And and I really loved this story. This is probably uh, easily top three in my favorite stories of this. Uh, comic series for creep show now the second story in this issue is called the bridge by ariella Cristantina and jorge corona and this one I, i'm not going to get into too much of the nuts and bolts of the story because i'm going to talk about the things it delves into it's about these group uh, of young people they're in this exotic tropic uh, island they're going to visit this temple for this photo shoot uh, because the main character is one of these uh social media celebrities and that really kind of plays into vanity, cell phone addiction, Uh, social media celebrity and and the toxic uh, nature of that and I think one of the main morals of this is not doing what you're told to do and we find this girl this social media celebrity uh, kind of breaking that rule she's not doing what she was told to do she gets away from the group she's more engrossed in her phone and taking selfies uh, than paying attention to where everyone else is and it gets her in hot water and the climax of this story though is horrifying and just disgusting, and and the artwork in this, uh, the artwork in all of this is really good. There's not a a bad bit of artwork in this. I thought. I think it was all engaging, and and multiple different styles. There are various styles at work here. Uh, no two styles are. You know, some may be a little similar to others. Uh, some of them do have that kind of classic horror comic vibe to them. But then there are other comics and other stories that the the artwork is is very stylized uh, to the story and and very unique Uh, but this one some of the some of the artwork is yeah right out of those classic ec comic horror Stories from the 40s and 50s, and it's got a horrific ending to it, a disgusting end to it, and kind of a you know here's the moral to the story, punchline to it, which uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. So the bridge again, not one of my favorite stories in this, but it actually was a really good story with a, a really interesting message to it. Now issue number four was another one of my favorite covers. I, I love this. It's not as dynamic as issue number two or even issue number three. But I love the cover art. I love the the simplicity to it. It's a pile of decapitated heads with the creep uh, in amongst them, and a bloody axe struck down into a, a wood chopping block. It's just it's disgusting. It is it's the stuff of horror. And uh, like I said, I love the artwork. It's it's kind of that classic horror comic. Uh, vibe to it, which which I really dig. Now, this first story in issue four, again, probably one of my favorites. Definitely top three uh, in this. Probably I I would have to say take one is probably my favorite story. This story come out, come out wherever you are is probably my second favorite story, and hair probably my third favorite story. If I had to rank my top three stories, but but this one I really dug. Kyle Starks and Fran Galen probably pronounced her in that wrong, but are the uh, the writer and the artist on this. And again, like. Like I said, one of my favorite stories. It kind of has a Stand By Me meets The Lost Boys vibe to it. And again, this is one where I'm going to kind of give some things away about this because I really want to talk about this because I really liked the story. It's about these kids. And it, like I said, the very beginning has a very Stand By Me vibe. These kids find a dead body and you can't have that and, and not think of Stand By Me. But then it quickly moves into... Kind of lost boys territory. These kids find this dead body. They realize there's a vampire problem in the town. Nobody will listen to them, so they go to this this cave and they gear up with all the all the accoutrements you would need for vampire fighting: garlic and holy water and squirt guns and silver bullets and, and all the all the things that you need. And they find out when they get there a little later than they had planned that uh, they are in out of their depth and there's this great chase scene where three of the four kids uh it's four boys or actually three boys and one girl uh, the three boys get picked off as they're riding their bikes away from this this scene and the girl nancy just barely escapes and she holds up in her house and will not leave she becomes a recluse and we find later in the comic uh, in the story, that uh, you know, she's older now, and her house is filled with crucifixes, and she's she's afraid of vampires, and she's not li- left her house in in all these many years. Uh, the only contact with the outside world she has is through social media and chat groups. And there's somebody that she's chatting with called Ray of light that she, you know, is, is talking about maybe one day she'll be able to come outside and, and this person is very supportive and, and very understanding. And then she gets a note slipped under her door about, you know, coming outside and, and, and you see who is outside and and it is the three boys that were turned into vampires and one of them has a t-shirt that says ray of light on it so it's been these this you know this group of boys that have been turned into vampires that have been kind of trying to coax her out of the house and there's there's mentioned in the beginning about her being like a skinny girl and in the end, she's she's kind of put on some weight over the years. Uh, she's staying indoors. She's not, not getting any exercise, so she's put on a little weight. And and they kind of make the the crack that they were waiting for her to be big enough to eat. And it's it's terrifying. It's it's horrifying. And uh, the artwork is is gorgeously horrific. The reveal that this person she's been talking to is is one of the. The undead boys that she she grew up with is just uh, it it was such a great twist. I really enjoyed this story. This is probably one of my favorite stories. This is the kind of story you would like to see. All these these three top three stories of mine that I that I really liked. Uh, Take one, come out, come out wherever you are, and hair. I'd love to see like live action versions of these. I think they'd all make for a very good. Uh, live action episode of Creepshow. Now the second story in issue number four was very interesting because I'm a huge wrestling fan, so I loved this one because it, it had kind of a wrestling theme. It's La Máscara de la Muerte. It's about this female luchador. She loses a mask and gets unmasked, and in, in luchador culture, that is a big disgrace to uh, you know to the wrestler to be unmasked and have your your true self revealed. Uh, the luchadors really treat these masks with with great reverence so she goes i can't remember if it's her mother or grandmother but her father was a a luchador who's no longer around and she wants to get her father's old mask and and essentially there's a curse to this mask and she puts it on and wins the title but this curse to the mask kicks in and chaos and mayhem and dismemberment ensues and I will say this at the very end, uh, there's such a, a fantastic scene where she goes to rip the mask off of herself because of what she's doing with this mask on and essentially rips the flesh from her face. It's it's gross. It is the stuff of nightmares. It is terrifying. It's what makes uh, horror comics so delightfully macabre. And and I really liked the ending of this story. Not again, not one of my favorite stories, but definitely a fantastic story. Like I said, there there are no bad stories in this. Now, issue number five, which came out on January the twenty fifth, uh, not my favorite cover. I, I was a little disappointed in the series finale to this uh, because as we were kind of led to believe. This was just going to be a five-issue, kind of limited series. Now, we'll talk about the future of this coming up a little bit later. But I was a little disappointed in the cover art for the last one. Not that the art is bad. The art is beautiful. Uh, Just the the whole theme of the art. It is the creep and this little girl uh, looking at a cobweb-covered comic book stand with all the other issues of the series on it. Uh, It's, like I said, it's a beautifully... Drawn and inked uh, comic book cover. I just the subject matter. I was like, ah, I wanted something scary, not not this. But the stories inside were were actually pretty good. Uh, one in particular and it's not this first one. Actually this first one was probably my least favorite of the stories. And and I hate saying that because like I said there were no bad stories, but Steve Orlando and Mariana Ignazi were the the writer and the artist on this and the the story is good in the sense that it, it's very much a Dorian Gray type of story where you have a guy that makes a deal with a demon to to stay young and beautiful not even to stay young and beautiful he's older when we meet him uh but he he wants to be young so there's this deal where he i guess keeps taking selfies with this phone that's now cursed or possessed and the taking selfies uh, keeps him young Uh, As he takes these pictures of himself, he stays young and he's hanging out with all these other guys that they don't understand. They've been hanging out forever and he looks so young and has never changed until he has a a one night stand with this other guy. And the guy takes the wrong phone and he's trying frantically because he has to keep taking selfies of himself to stay young and trying to find where this guy is and and then once he gets there, he's started to reverse an age. And now he's this old man saying he just slept with this younger guy, and it's a fun story. It just wasn't very scary. I guess that's probably why I didn't like it as much. And the the demon aspects of it, I don't think were as scary as I wanted it to be. But uh, it had a you know it, it had the ending you would expect from this. So again, not a bad story, just not my favorite story. Uh, now this final story was. Uh, was a story I I really kind of, I liked because it was very interesting and creepy. It was called Husk by Clay McLeod Chapman. And I know I'm going to bush this name and I'm, I'm very sorry, but Antwita Citria. Uh, the writer and the artist on this, and this was a, uh, a really cool story. It kind of played into the whole Southern debutante thing. Uh, this young girl getting ready for a debutante ball. Her overbearing mother trying to get her to do all the right moves and do all the right things. Uh, there's a little bit of a backstory about her uh, mother and father. This this main character, her mother and father, uh, they couldn't conceive, so they. They did what they had to do, and there's kind of uh, allusions to backwater swamp witchcraft, and and it kind of it doesn't really spell things out, but it gives you pause to to wonder what what happened, how they actually came across this this young girl. But the night of the big ball comes, and uh, for all intents and purposes, she turns into a giant cicada, and and the carnage that ensues from that is just. It's what horror comics are made for. It's really good. But the whole story kind of plays off of rituals and traditions and being a Southern debutante, there's a lot of ritual and tradition involved in that. And then this girl turning into this giant cicada and how cicadas have their own sort of ritual where the young eat the old and you see how that plays out with her overbearing mother it was it was a fun and interesting and like i said the artwork on it was was beautiful and haunting and in that that southern way Uh, i really like this story and uh the wrap-up to a really good series of comics for Creep Show one through five. Like I said, there wasn't a bad story in them. There were some I liked more than others, uh, but there was no real story that I'm like, oh, I didn't like that at all. And the artwork was beautiful. All the contributors to this, the writers, the artists uh, from the comic book covers to the the stories was all fantastic the stories were really good uh there were some that were creepier and scarier than others but all of them very much felt like an episode of creep show i could see any of these stories being uh, turned into a live action adaptation but i like the comic book format because you can go into some darker places you can do some things that work better on a comic book page than they do with Practical effects or even CG effects. So, I like how some of these stories just lend itself to being probably a better product on the printed page. Uh, and, and all of the stories were were really creepy and the artwork was bizarre and and horrifying and haunting uh depending on what the story was each story kind of had a different feel uh it didn't feel like they were repeating themselves with themes and, and story content and and i really enjoyed this and like i said the the artwork and the cover art was just fantastic and like I said, some of it really lent itself to those, those old school horror comics, but then some of it felt fresh and new and felt like a, a part of the the new generation of horror comics that we're kind of seeing coming out right now. So what does that mean? Yeah, you know, Like I said, they, they started out with this series. It was going to be like a five series or five issue limited series. But at the end of issue five, it says the end for now. So what I'm guessing is there are probably... Dipping their toes in the water to see what kind of response they got from this. Can a horror comic, you know, maintain like they did back in the '40s and '50s? I don't know if we're going to get a revival of the Creepshow comic series. I would love to. I, I I really love horror comics, and I really like what they did with this. And I think Creepshow, you know, there's a lot of storytellers out there there's enough to to put on the small screen with the tv series there's enough to put on the the printed page with the comic book series i don't know i mean they put this out monthly this first five issues, I would hope there's enough interest that we could at least get a monthly comic out of this. I think that would be fun. I would look forward to it. I would purchase everyone, uh, whether it be on Kindle, whether it be on, uh, you know, like a hard copy in my hand. I would love uh, reading this each and every month. You know, I just it's one of those things where I went back and reread and reread these comics over and over again because I just enjoyed each issue so much and I, hopefully everyone else did and hopefully everyone else you know put out the shekels to, to buy each issue and show these guys that are putting out the creep show comic that you know there is a want and a need for this so uh, I encourage you if you haven't checked out the creep show comic series uh, check it out if at the very least you can get it on Kindle for like four bucks an issue and well worth it if you love horror and you love Creepy comics. so you love comics in general, uh, this is such a fantastic read, and I encourage everyone to to check it out. And hopefully, uh, we'll find out in the not too distant future that they are going to continue this with maybe another five issue series. Even if they did this, you know, in five issue series uh, increments, where you know we get September, October, November, uh, December, and January, we get five issues every year. I'd be fine with that. You don't even have to do 12 issues for the year. They could just do the five set increments, and I'd, I'd be okay with that. But I just I want more, and hopefully we get more of Creepshow, the comic series. So I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to my thoughts on the Creepshow comic series issues one through five uh check out more about what's going on with odds bodkins curiosity shop on our facebook page uh we're always posting trailers and articles i find all over the internet I like to add my two cents to to what i'm posting about and of course you can also check us out on instagram and no matter where you listen to this podcast uh please like it subscribe to it follow it all that jazz. Share it with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Spread the word about the podcast. Uh, that's part of the best way to get us to to be able to keep doing this. Is if we you know grow the audience again and and I really. Uh, thank you for, for doing that. And of course, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you leave, uh, that helps with these podcast platforms. Getting the word out on our podcast. If if an episode or the podcast gets better reviews, then they're more inclined to, to share this uh, with other people. Expose this podcast to other people on their platform. So please leave a review. And so until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. <laughs>